Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar arrived home in Minnesota this week in what appeared to be a hero's welcome, at least among her biggest supporters. She was greeted by at least a couple hundred supporters in the midst of a feud with President Trump that has made headlines across the country all week. Here's Callan Gray with a look at Omar's arrival at the airport and a town hall meeting a couple hours later. With signs of support, dozens of people greeted Congressmember Ilhan Omar as she landed in Minneapolis, where she addressed President Trump. His nightmare is seeing a Somali immigrant refugee rise to Congress. We are going to continue to be a nightmare to this president because his policies, because his policies are a nightmare to us. This comes a day after this happened at a North Carolina rally. The president was silent for nearly 13 seconds, but Thursday morning. But it was quite a chant, and uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. I think it's um, r racist, as, as we've been talking about. Um, I also think it's really mean-spirited. More than 100 people packed a Minneapolis community center Thursday night. I think it's important really to support her right now. As Congressmember Omar and her colleague from Washington State outlined a plan for Medicare for All. I know there are a lot of people that are trying to distract us now, but I want you all to know that we are not going to let them. Under the act, everyone would be covered. U.S. citizens would automatically be enrolled at birth, and there wouldn't be deductibles or co-pays, a policy many were anxious to hear. We have people dying because they don't have health care. So that means that we've, our system is failing. Many hoping policy rises above the rhetoric. Callan Gray, 5 Eyewitness News. Republican Congressman Tom Emmer of Minnesota says he disagrees with how the president went about criticizing Congresswoman Omar and three other minority members of Congress, but he staunchly defends the president against accusations he's a racist. There's not a racist bone in this president's body. Uh, what he was trying to say, he said wrong. Okay. Uh, what he was trying to say is that if you don't appreciate this country, you don't have to be here. Uh, that goes for every one of us. Uh, it has nothing to do with your race, your gender, your, your, uh, you know, your family history. Emmer, of course, will play a key role in trying to lead a Republican takeover of the U.S. House as the chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee. The revolving door at the Department of Human Services continues to spin. Two deputies who resigned earlier this week are now back at Minnesota's largest state agency, Chuck Johnson and Claire Wilson resigned earlier this month, just days before their boss, Commissioner Tony Lorre, stepped down on Monday. But the department's chief of staff has now also resigned. Eric Shalou has a look at what Governor Tim Walz has to say about the back and forth in this agency. In a statement of Five Eyewitness News, the governor's spokesperson wrote he is pleased that the two deputy commissioners have decided to stay for the time being so that there is a stable leadership team in place to manage through the transition to a permanent commissioner. The two deputy commissioners gave no explanation last week as to why they were leaving, but the governor said they weren't pleased with the department's direction. On Monday, Commissioner Tony Lorre resigned, giving no explanation either, other than a new leader was needed. Republican lawmakers say they want to know what's going on inside the department. Whatever the upheaval is, whatever the turmoil is that's occurring in there, uh, we've now had the top four people leave 
Now two people come back. Uh, it's truly bizarre. Eric Shalou, 5 Eyewitness News. Meanwhile, DHS Chief of Staff Stacy Weeks also resigned. She previously worked with former Commissioner Lurie in the Minnesota Senate. The governor is still working to find a permanent commissioner to take over at DHS while Pam Wheelock serves as acting commissioner. Minneapolis Police Chief Madera Arredondo wants 1,000 officers on the streets by 2025. This all comes after an increase in violent crimes in the city this summer. We need to get to having 1,000 911 responders. I want to make that very clear. That's, that's the folks who are going to be out there, the men and women, responding to those 911 calls. Right now, there are about 600 police officers who respond to 911 calls and a couple hundred more who are investigators and administrative officers. The chief says there were more than 1,200 calls for serious crimes that went unanswered in 2018 because the MPD did not have enough officers to respond. Mayor Jacob Fry has given his support but made no promises. I can't make a commitment on a certain number over a certain year or by a certain year simply because there's other budgetary constraints. Um, I certainly, I, I do support the chief in increasing the size of the police department. This is considered as the chief's opening act as the budget process starts for next year. The next step is a formal presentation from the chief as Mayor Fry puts his budget together for the city council. After backlash from across the country, the St. Louis Park City Council will keep the Pledge of Allegiance at its meetings. The council voted unanimously to bring it back Monday. They drew national attention when they voted to stop reciting the pledge last month. Large crowds showed up, divided on the issue. I want to make sure that our traditions continue to be recognized because this is a great country. Our pledge needs to be set. I agree with the council in that the pledge should not be said before meetings because it might ostracize some people. Some on the council say they've received death threats over the debate. The mayor of St. Louis Park calls it one of the most challenging times in the city's history. Over in Edina, city council members will start saying the Pledge of Allegiance. They voted on it this week after seeing national backlash against St. Louis Park's decision to stop reciting it. St. Louis Park, as you just heard, reversed that decision Monday. Edina, Edina council members will start reciting the pledge at their August 7th meeting. Former U.S. Senator Norm Coleman says his lung cancer surgery was a success. The former senator and St. Paul mayor underwent seven hours of surgery at the Mayo Clinic on Monday. In a Facebook post, Coleman says his doctor removed the lower left lobe and all traces of cancer. Coleman's lung capacity is expected to be reduced by about 20%, and we do, of course, wish him the very best. The historic landing on the moon 50 years ago would not have happened without the help of a lot of Minnesotans. Coming up next on At Issue, how our state helped put together the Apollo 11 mission. The historic first moon landing happened 50 years ago this week. It was truly a national effort with hundreds of companies collaborating with NASA to make it happen. That includes companies right here in Minnesota that made components to help steer the spacecraft and food to nourish the astronauts. I have a look back at that historic week with the role Minnesotans played. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things 
not because they are easy, but because they are hard. President Kennedy's stirring speech at Rice University in 1962 set the tone for a race to the moon. Two, one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. 30 Less than seven years later, Apollo 11 launched into space, carrying astronauts to the moon's surface. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. A breathtakingly successful mission made possible in part by key contributions from Minnesota companies and Minnesota engineers. Well, it was very thrilling. We were real happy that it all went off real well because, well, going to the moon and everything is really a big thrill for all of us, and we all feel like we're, you know, a great part of it. Members of Honeywell's manned spacecraft team watched the launch of Apollo 11 in the Twin Cities. In the 1960s, Honeywell was based in Minneapolis and designed and built key components for the Apollo spacecraft. The company's contributions included vehicle stabilization and control systems, making it possible to maneuver the spacecraft from launch to touchdown on the moon. Honeywell also developed environmental controls providing oxygen and drinking water for the astronauts. History in the making, I'm glad to have been a small part of it. Well, I think it's just wonderful, although I, I don't worry about Honeywell's controls. I know they're done right. I think it's absolutely astounding, yes. I, I, the more I think about it in later years. Dr. Bill Girard was an aerospace engineering professor at the University of Minnesota from 1967 until 2017. Honeywell played a, a, a very major role. Honeywell was a leader in uh, design of uh, control systems, and those were very, very important for the, uh, for the flight of the uh, Apollo. Honeywell advertised in newspapers and magazines looking for engineers to join Honeywell's Apollo team, touting the Twin Cities parks and golf courses and the Minnesota Twins and Vikings. Most of the engineers were Minnesotans, but they did uh, recruit fairly uh, heavily from other parts of the country as well. The company had mock-ups of the spacecraft that engineers used to design components. The principal accomplishment of this is to see what kind of volumes are optimal for a two-man crew on the lunar surface. They're looking forward very much so to getting out to Arizona, their lunar proving ground that they have out there. Honeywell was one of hundreds of companies working on the Apollo project. Bringing it all together to put man on the moon was almost mind-boggling. It was a huge undertaking. I mean, I, I don't think uh, anyone should ever minimize the amount of effort that went into it. Today, the United States is engaged in a gigantic effort to send men to the moon. Honeywell wasn't the only Minneapolis-based company playing a big role in the Apollo program. So did Pillsbury. For this effort, Pillsbury has developed many special foods. Here is the first one to be made available to the public, space food sticks. But it was the engineering by companies like Honeywell that made the moon landing possible 50 years ago. It feels like the six years I spent on the program are really worthwhile now because this is what we've really been after and it looks like it's really going to go and we're really happy about it. Putting Minnesota's stamp on one of the greatest technological achievements in history. That's one small step for man. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. That challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One giant leap for mankind.
really a remarkable time in history. Now, Minnesota also received some tiny moon rocks after the first and last moon missions. One of them is on display in the lobby of the Science Museum of Minnesota in St. Paul. It's behind glass and in the original plaque that was sent to the Minnesota governor's office after the first moon landing. There's another moon rock in safekeeping at the Minnesota History Museum. Both rocks were part of a goodwill program to share the historical achievement with every state and country. The Nixon administration uh, made gifts of soil samples from Apollo 11 and chunks of the Goodwill Rock from Apollo 17. And they gave uh, these things to uh, every state and territory in the U.S., as well as 135 countries around the world uh, and the U.N. So you see, Mike, the Nixon administration did do something. <laughs> they shared moon rocks with people. Uh, joining me now for political analysis, Mike Erlinson, former state DFL party chair, and Jennifer Loon, a former Minnesota Republican uh, state lawmaker. Uh, remarkable achievement, wasn't it, 50 years ago? Showing that Minnesotans uh, have been in the spotlight for a long time, right, Mike? But this week it's maybe for not all the best reasons. Uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar been in an open feud with the president along with some other members of Congress. Uh, what do you make of all of this, th this back and forth between her and, and the president? Is the president using her as kind of a pawn to get his base all fired up? Well, I mean, there's no question of that, I think. The, the sad part about it is we have a president who is saying racist things and tweeting racist, racist things, right? Along with plenty of sexist things that he said since before he became the president of the United States of America and all the way on through. So he is now uh, continuing to sort of double down on dividing our country in a way to try to get reelected. It was really very disappointing, I thought, that only four members of the United States House of Representatives voted for the resolution to condemn his conduct and his comments uh, targeting Ilhan Omar and three other members of Congress. And so the fact that they've, people have stepped forward to say that the chant was bad at the rally, but not what the president said is bad is pretty poor, I think. Well, and there's no question, uh, Jennifer, that people are engaged in this. I tweeted a video of her arrival at the airport where she was greeted by a couple of hundred supporters. And this tweet uh, went viral. It totally caught me by surprise. But uh, as of early afternoon on Friday, more than 10 million people across the country had viewed uh, this tweet. This shows very clearly that people are engaged in what is going on between the president and the congresswoman. Most definitely. And I think, you know, where the people were there to support Representative Omar was, you know, questioning someone's patriotism. Um, is, is really a lightning rod. I think the president would have been wiser, and I think he's been trying to sort of identify her and uh, the three others that they call themselves the squad as sort of the representatives of the Democrat Party, because they're certainly part of the far-left fringe uh, of the members of Congress. Um, but to call in to question their, their patriotism instead of their politics, I think, was a mistake. Because there are ways to make his point without bringing race into the equation. You can talk about their policies about free education and all of these free things without really saying how they're going to pay for it, and you can make your point that way. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, you know, a misstep on his part for sure, and one that's probably going to have 
continuing repercussions. Final word on this. Well, and you know, our country faces a lot of problems. You know, and Donald Trump likes to talk about making America great again or keeping America great, but he's actually put forward almost nothing to derive that message home. He should be focused on solving problems, not focused on dividing our country with comments like what he made against Omar. And back here in Minnesota, state government, uh, shakeups at the Department of uh, Human Services. Nobody really knows what's going on at DHS right now. Uh, you've served in the legislature for a long time. You've dealt with issues like this. Do you have any idea what is going on? And I'm sure I know you served with Senator Lori. Uh, any idea what is going on there? Well, there's a lot of smoke um, in that whole situation. I suspect there may be some fire there, but possibly it's tamped down. Clearly, there was some leadership friction, uh, possibly with either Senator Lori, Commissioner Lori, or um, perhaps more likely his chief of staff. They're both gone now, so the deputy commissioners have come back. So we'll see if there's anything more to shake out. And Mike, final word from you. This is such an important department. Uh, there are so many people who depend on DHS for so many social services, and right now uh, they're in disarray. Well, the good news is Pam Wheelock would be a great person to step in and sort of right the ship and address with whatever problems there are if, in fact, there is some sort of a significant problem. You're right. This job is probably as difficult, if not more, in some way than being the governor of the state of Minnesota itself uh, to try to supply and provide health care for our state. Um, so there's no question. All right. And, and so many people competing for the resources from DHS, and it, it can't be uh, an easy job, no question. Uh, Mike and Jennifer, thanks for being here. Still ahead uh, this week on At Issue, we'll have Andrea Macros and Brian McClung here in studio. It's all ahead in Face Off. Well, of course, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar has been in the headlines all week, and she makes our quote of the week. We are going to continue to be a nightmare to this president because his Joining me for Face Off today, DFL strategist Andrea Macros and the former communications director for Republican Governor Tim Pawlenty, Brian McClung, back fresh from Ireland, I believe I've seen. I got a tan in Ireland. Yeah. That's the first time that's ever happened to anyone. <laughs> for any redhead, that's for sure. Uh, what uh, a week we've had here uh, with uh, Congresswoman Omar. We're going to talk more about that now. Uh, and Andrew, we had uh, talked earlier about how engaged people across the country are on this. We have a tweet. Again, we'll give you an update uh, again by Friday afternoon. Well over 10 million views. People just simply watching uh, her arrive at the airport. And, of course, President Trump tweeted about this event, saying it was a staged event and, you know, it was fake news and all that. Uh, his rallies are all staged, aren't they? <laughs> First of all, I think he's giving a lot of credit <laughs> to folks uh, to be able to turn out an event like that on such short notice. I think his uh, remarks actually had the net impact of uniting Democrats at what is normally a very divisive time, but has really brought folks together, uniting not only around Congresswoman Omar, but around the need to elect a different president next year. And as we talked about in the last segment, there are so many ways he could be making his, his point about uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and the other three uh, members of uh, con the freshman members of Congress uh, whose policies he just totally is at odds with, but he 
either inadvertently or on purpose brought race into the equation. Well, that's right. I mean, you can oppose their policy and should oppose their policies if you disagree with them on socialized medicine, on higher taxes, on issues related to Israel. These are issues that you can have a legitimate policy conversation and debate about, and that's what we should be doing. That's the kind of conversation we should be having. And in fact, prior to this, these four congresswomen were having a feud with Nancy Pelosi. So there was an intra-party fight that was happening among the Democrats. And so from a Republican perspective, you want to allow that to play out. And instead, what President Trump does is he unites Democrats and brings them back together. And I don't think that's helpful for Republicans. And there was evidence of that, as we see in this video we have from her arriving uh, at the airport. Again, this was very organic. We knew about it a couple hours in advance. They just said, hey, people show up. But it takes something to show up at the airport because it's a pain. Uh, first of all, to park. It's not cheap. But a lot of people just showed up to support her. And again, he may have had the unintended consequence of bringing Democrats together. You know, this is a nation founded by and for immigrants. And I think his remarks really had the effect of uniting not only Democrats, but reminding folks of how just how divisive this president so is. So how does he play this? Well, I, th I think long term, he has to, you know, he's already tried to back away, at least from the comments, the chants that happened at the, at the rally in the aftermath of that. But he needs to say, hey, look, these, these are American citizens. Congresswoman Omar is a Minnesotan. We welcome Minnesotans. She immigrated here legally. She's a legal U.S. citizen. That's what we want. We want more people who are going to be productive members of our society and our state. That's a good thing. That's how we can grow as a state. That's how our economy grows. We need to get to that, say that, and then focus on issues that really matter to people like jobs and the economy and health care. And just 15 seconds left, but because he, he could get his Republican base uh, all fired up just by simply pointing out what some of their policies are. Unfortunately, I don't think the president can put the genie back in the bottle on these remarks. I think that he's seen that at his rally, it's taken on a life of its own. Um, and I think that's what we're going to continue to see over the next 16 months, you know, a surprise issue every day. And that's just what we've come to expect from this right. president. And he says he plans to do his best to win Minnesota. We'll see what happens. Andrea and Brian, thanks for being here. Still to come on at issue, we'll look at the out of this ballpark celebration of the moon landing at the St. Paul Saints game. You don't want to miss this. We'll be back in a minute. The St. Paul Saints are recognizing the anniversary of the Apollo moon mission with a celebration that hit it out of the ballpark. Moon! Do not adjust your television sets. The St. Paul Saints marked the occasion this week at CHS Field with a group mooning. The team handed out free boxers with moons on them to the first 5,000 fans. Then later in the evening, the fans all dropped them for a ballpark-wide mooning. Yep, you heard it here, right here, folks. We like to see what you have to say about Ad Issue. Send us your feedback and let us know what issues you'd like to see on the show. Just write to Issue at kstp.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for my name, Tom Hauser, or Ad Issue. You can also find me on Twitter at thauserkstp. And that's all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of Ad Issue.